You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. All right. Let's um, let's start out uh, the show uh, by talking about why we have a picture of Chris Rooney instead of the actual Chris Rooney. <clears throat> well, PSA for those of us that are not used to using the sun. Oh, you couldn't tell? You you could tell that wasn't my real face. Wow. Anyways, uh, yeah, I had I did uh, I was out on the boat yesterday, and uh, I did not practice the use of uh, sunscreen. But you know, since Buffalo Wild Wings is closed, I had to find somewhere else to be able to kind of think and work, and it's and it's working. It's good. It's a good thing to be out of the lake. Well, good. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> no, I tell you, I, I joke around here a little bit, but I tell you, the um, the the big thing about um, Minnesota, right? The no, the everybody's got a little bit of cabin fever, especially now. I think with the the release of the uh, opening of the cage for all of us, have been locked up the last couple of months, and uh, and it's it's yeah. Remember your sunscreen. I think is the is the the PSA. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, here, I'll give you a quick shot. Okay. <laughs> See, now we know. Now you got to keep on, bro. Yep, yep, right. Okay, anyways, let's go. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, let's um get rolling with the show here. We're, uh, Lisa, why don't you check if we're rolling there? Um, I'm going to do our typical intro. Here we go. See, I can't see you laughing at me right now, Chris. So it's not as much fun. I know. <laughs> All right, Real Estate Radio Show Number Eight. Um, Chris, we wanted to start off with uh, 2020 homeownership wish lists. Um, we were, we were going to talk about, this was a survey done by National Association of Realtors. So those of you that are watching us from home, um, why don't you go ahead and, uh, give us a quick guess as to the, uh, what, what you think, think up, you want to message into the show, but I'll get us started here. Um, Andy, let me ask you a question on this though. Yeah. There, um, when was this done? Was this before 2020? I'm just thinking. Um, yeah, this was, quarantine. Is the quarantine involved in this? This, yeah, this was done um, last week. Okay, good. I, I no, I actually I think it was done here. It was re- literally done in like March and April, and okay. um, so this was the brand new, just surveyed, um, and the number one response, which does not shock any of us, being that we're quarantined, right? Um, yeah. Or what I, I like to be preferred to be locked up, um, is people want more space. Yeah, well, no question, and that's that's why I kind of asked the question because uh, just curious if people are saying that because there is a question we have later on about the minimalist uh, yeah. thing that's happening as well. But I can definitely see, you know, and I've I've heard it many times <laughs> with many people that uh, they wish they had more space, especially uh, yeah. when you're kind of locked up. Yep, exactly. 
Um, all right, Andrew Warkin, good friend of ours, uh, says good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to her, and and uh, we also have Lisa on with us. So good morning, guys. I appreciate you watching us live. Um, so your friendship is greatly appreciated. Um, all right, more natural light. Again, kind of that same theme does not shock me at all. People wanting to have, you know, obviously a little more light in the house and, uh, you know, get that uh, some of those spaces that where we're spending a lot more time now right? Um, we, we don't realize probably that they're inadequate until you're there for a while. I, I was just over at a, a house doing a market analysis the other day Yeah, on the lake and they had just had their windows clean and it makes such a difference. I mean, when sun and no yeah. lines in your ways, you, you gotta be able to give as much natural light as you possibly can. Uh, exactly. selling. Okay. Yeah, so we got the, um, all right, sorry. We had a background noise here. I was trying to eliminate. All right, here's a double. This was a tie. So adding a home gym and adding another bathroom. Again, no shock here, right? Those yeah. of us with more than one of us living in the house. Andy, do you think the whole home gym thing's going to even take off more um, as we go here? I mean, they're obviously, we just had uh, another nice little announcement that uh, says we can't do stuff again for a while. And um, I mean, home gyms, I think they're just going to be in. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to reject everybody else's reality and I'm living in my own and I don't have any rules right now for me. So it's, which is nice. No rules. No, I know, but you can't, I mean, you can't go to your gym. You can't go to lifetime fitness and do that. And I think, uh, you know, people have adapted, you know, yep. and so I'm just wondering if that, that's going to come back or not. And that a home gym, you know, when it comes time to, you know, uh, positioning your home, when we talk, we talk about that all the time, yep. is that do we position a home gym versus a fifth bedroom or that sixth area that maybe you did as a craft room, but maybe you do it as a, as a home gym and, okay. uh, you know. Well, hey, so here's uh, we just had a we just had a question come in on Facebook. Um, is the open floor plan concept uh, going to go away after being locked up? Question mark. People realizing that they have no private space or study or space to work. And I I I, I think that the yeah for sure. If you're in a studio apartment, you realize real fast that's cool and open. Um, if you're there by yourself, it's great. But there's so many like if you're like me, I have a ton of distractions in my uh, office and my I'm always interested in what, you know, people are doing. And so like for squirrels, me, I, squirrels yeah. and birds and yes, like yep. that. Okay. out in the pond, what's happening out there. <laughs> yeah. um, I have a bad case of that. And so for me, you're right. Yeah. I think that the, um, uh, yes, I do. I do think that open concepts are always popular because of natural light, the invitingness of it. And I think there were so many years of us that grew up in, in the closed boxed in houses so we desire something different, right? So the kids nowadays, what'll be really interesting to see, Chris, is the kids nowadays that are growing up in these big open floor plan houses, what'll they desire? They may want private spaces again, you know, you never know. So the the trends very possibly could change. I don't know. I I, I think the open spaces, I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure those are gonna go. I think uh, you know, at least kind of the, the right away. Right. But I think a lot of homes were built and trying to trying to get that square footage down so the price would get down. So they had yeah. to open it up to make it look bigger. And I think there's, um, I mean, additions that are going to be added. I think people are going to 
maybe utilize uh, garages more um, yep. and maybe spaces over garages, uh, things like that. Okay. I agree. Um, updated kitchen. I think with everybody cooking from home right now, this is uh, very relevant. You, um, you know, when you watch those cooking shows, a lot of times they have all the, you know, the cool pots and pans and, and utensils. But then again, it is kind of cool. Like nowadays you're seeing people using different appliances. Like for example, like air fryers, I've noticed almost every house I've gone to has an air fryer in it now, but people don't want to put them on the counter. It's kind of like having the, the big oversized toaster, right? So having some of the new appliances that actually have air fryers in them, I think will take off extremely well in the near future. Um, do you use those, What's that? Do you use those air fryers? Uh, yeah, we probably use ours uh, three times a week, you know, just for, I mean, I'm telling you these, those of you that don't have them and I'm not trying to make this a show about air fryers, but I mean, even like warming up a piece of uh, cold pizza, it, it, it's fantastic. It's easy. It's quick. It takes two minutes. Now you have a crunchy bottom crust and a melted cheese. And you know I mean? It's so, so I get the draw, right. But it's, but they're big and ugly and they take up a lot of countertop space. And so I, I totally could see where in my next place or the next time I upgrade my oven, I would have the option to have an air fryer in the oven. Okay, I'm going to tell you about the air fryer thing. So I got one for Christmas, um, and uh, of course, I never opened it. Showing your face when you do this, so people can question how your injuries happened. <laughs> so the air fryer. Okay, so I, uh, but I got one for Christmas, and I never used it. And then yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm going to take it uh, some to another house and use it, and. Yeah. Uh, Oh my God, that thing is the best thing ever. So I totally agree with you. I didn't know it was in appliances though. Like an yeah. actual, like yeah. it, it actually has them. Wow. Well, you know, they, they had that they, for sure. A couple of years ago, they had this really cool, they called it a turbo oven where it could literally cook a crispy um, turkey in like 42 minutes in your oven, right? And it was like this convection air microwave combo that that it, it, it's still out there but they're like super expensive they're like 12 grand so all of a sudden when you have you know a situation like um for us where we're just dabbling and playing with it it's uh pretty cool but so yeah i think updating the kitchen um is, is something I we all... sorry i had to clean my desk now that i took my video on yeah yeah the uh <laughs> we're, we're not we're not looking at your desk chris we're looking at your cheeks yeah but andy that uh you know, this this little graphic here, um, yeah. whole updated kitchen part of it, yep. uh, to me, I mean, I think in 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19, that's number one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, updated kitchen's always been uh, number one. I think it's a super uh, important piece. I mean, after location, you know, because yeah. location obviously makes a, a monster difference, but... Uh, Yep. Updated kitchen, I think, can be a justifier. We got a question coming up later that I'll hit more on that, but uh, okay. uh, it's a justification. Well, so so in in essence, none of these shock me. Um, th these are interesting. You know, home builders. We I presented this to the guys I'm working with, and I'm like, listen, guys, these are some of the things. No shocker. People are looking at. So, like when we're labeling rooms and houses now, and you have a two bedroom Rambler, um, you do want to have an office. Yeah, you do want to have a state-of-the-art kitchen and an in-home gym, um, you know, lots of windows and a decent yard, even though, you know, what's funny is that the trend for a little while here, I was seeing a lot of downsizers ask for no yard, but 
what there's a couple of cool developments around the Twin Cities where they have these mini yards where they're 50 feet wide by 130 deep and the houses fit in there. You have your own grass, you mow your own yard, you have your own garden, your own fire pit, but there's not this gigantic yard to maintain. So it takes you 15 minutes to mow the grass instead of two hours, you know? So um, I think the trends, if anything else, I think over the next 12 months to 24 months, you're going to see more emphasis on these items in advertising and, and that'll create more draw to you as a seller for sure. All right. Jumping ahead here. This is where we, uh, we're going to get um, a little more serious, I guess. And Chris, you, you and I have covered this before, you know, the number one financial benefit to homeownership is obviously wealth creation. There's tons of people that are out there that do not have uh, anything in savings. They don't have a retirement account. And one of the only things they have is their, is their, their home. And, you know, here's a couple of quick comments, you know, mortgages, they feel like a, a forced savings plan. When you pay rent, the money's lost forever. You know, we've heard these things before, right? Um, being that this is a, a huge financial investment for people, um, the equity drives their net worth, their family wealth. Um, renters are not earning that benefit. Instead, they're, they're actually building the net worth of their landlords. So we just, you know, and then CoreLogic, of course, here too. Um, they were showing the average family last year made $7,300 in a gain on their property and equity. Um, and that was with an average of 177 um, with total home equity um, on average, which was which is pretty high statistic in general, right? Yeah, you're not kidding. So, um, but then we, we were kind of like, so a lot of people are like, hey man, where, where's the economy going? Where's housing going? So I thought I'd throw a few of these stats up here. Um, you know, there people are saying like, you know, here's here's the uh, CoreLogic's president, um, you know, talking about once the shelter in place policies are lifted, they're really putting a lot of expectations on millennials um, getting out there because there was a lot of, uh, you know, mortgage applications taken before the whole mess here started. And they're, they're expecting those people now to jump on those opportunities that they're seeing. Good. That's good to see. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, here, here's one from Freddie Mac again. Um, although the, uh, uncertainty of the crisis means forecasts in the economic activity are more unclear, uh, than usual. We expect most of the economic damage from the virus to be contained within the first half of the year, which is good, right? And going forward, we should see a recovery starting in the second half of 2020. Um, that'd be wonderful. And that's, uh, you know, Sam, I don't remember how many trillion dollars Freddie Mac has in their portfolio, but these are some of the big players that are out there making these, these uh, comments. Um, they're out there. Here's Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side, right? Low mortgage rates continue to demand a millennial generation. Again, so millennials, you better get out there and start buying those houses. They, um, but here's the thing. I think the, the, the fact that some people won't sell, um, is a, is a big part of the lack of inventory. And then the new houses that are being built are at the second tier to third tier above entry level. So there's not affordable new construction out there really. Um, I mean, even townhouses now, Chris, I don't know what your experience is with this, but even locally here, I've, I've been out there, um, looking at townhouses recently and they start in the three hundreds. Well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, townhomes, uh, and you know, you kind of, you touched on that a little before too, but it's a, it's a lifestyle, you know, it's a small right. yard, Hey, lighter maintenance. You know, a lot of people right. want to be able to get into uh, townhomes as well, but I, I kind of wondered if the whole townhome thing um, would switch during this thing as well. You yeah. know, I think you, uh, you know, when you're, when you're stuck somewhere, where do you want to be stuck versus, right. 
you know, I mean, I, people found out that, hey, I'm, I mean, New York, I mean, you go there for the hustle, the bustle, the the arts and the entertainment, and now nothing's open. So right. I mean, why would you live there? It, yeah. It's not worth it. And so I think people start thinking that way. And I think we talked about this last week about, you know, people moving from the city to the suburbs. Um, for sure. I think that's the, the reason why. So. Yeah. Yep. Some people live the quarantine lifestyle all year round, <laughs> live all by themselves out in the woods. And um, yeah. here was, here's the other one that I, I keep, I keep putting a lot of value on and I, I don't, I hope I'm not wrong, but the amount of equity that's out there that stabilizes a marketplace. And I think that there's, when people are comfortable and they have equity in their properties, they don't sell. Right. So it's like, you don't have that. Um, well, I, I got nothing to lose anyway, mentality. I might as well just let it go back to the bank or I might as well just forget, you know, so I have people right now that are strategically selling their houses saying, you know what? Um, I'm not comfortable. Let's put the house up for sale or, Hey, I want to sell my house. Um, but I only will sell it if I can get this price. I'm seeing a lot of that right now. How about you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and some, some people are, you know, nervous about having other people in their house as well. And, um, you know, yep. to each, everyone to each their own, everyone has their own little thing, but, uh, I think you start combining all the things you're talking about is the reason that um, I think the other reason is that it's the reason why real estate isn't crashing as well, because right. there isn't a lot of inventory and the rates are still great and people are buying and uh, you know, uh, you got to get into homes super fast, you know, anything yeah. under 350, you gotta, you gotta run as fast as you can to be able to get it. And you kind of put up with some stuff and people are getting more money, but they're also like, Hey, where, where am I going to go? Right. Well, good, good point, Chris. So, so here's kind of a fun one. You and I have dabbled on this. We won't spend a lot of time today on this, even though it's three slides. Um, we'll go kind of quick here. You, like you just mentioned it safety. Here's six reasons why people are, are uh, you know, not trying to sell their own houses right now it, during it's hard to control what's happening. We, as, as at least with my Remax firm um, and I'm sure yours too, we have procedures and policies in place before someone shows a house. We're screening the people. We're making sure they're following our procedures or we won't let them do a showing. And I think sometimes when you're dealing directly with the consumer yourself, you don't have that ability to say no. And, and you're like, oh, sure, come on in. And you're, you, you, in theory, could be creating a health risk um, versus I think it is safer um, using a real estate firm. What do you yeah. think on that? Well, I think, I think the other thing is, and this might go to a few of the things that uh, show up here, but um, agents have a beat on the, the pulse of what's happening out there and what people are accepting and what they're not willing to accept and yep. what they're doing. So, I mean, I mean, you talk about these, this safety procedures and this and that, and, you know, and what buyers are willing to do, you know, yep. and, and sometimes it's like, Hey, you know what, you've got a hot house here. And if, if we have to um, make sure everyone is in a hazmat suit to be able to get in here, you know, that might affect the saleability of your property. So it right. might be something that you might want to move out, you know, during that time, if you want safety and, and it's totally up to you, but the, the dollars and cents, and that's, I think what you, what you juggle here um, yeah. is, you know, and so I, I talk about that a lot, you know, and uh, we fortunately uh, have been uh, listing some houses that people have able, been able to move into their new house and then sell their existing house after the fact. Yeah. And there's nothing better than being able to do that. But it also is um, a lot easier to get people in and, and uh, get it sold. So Sure, sure. Yeah, the other thing, uh, online strategies, I think, are probably, like you and I have said, Chris, 
uh, the first showings online, right? So they, uh, as they go forward, um, people are looking online, they're using online resources. So if you're selling it yourself and you don't have the ability to, to have a great online presence, I think there's, there's value in an agent that does know how to get the message out. They do know how to actually get in front of those eyeballs to get you showings. So, and Andy, the thing is with the internet, I mean, you can still go on Zillow and get it on there, but it's what you put on the internet. And so many people, you know, um, say, oh, I can just, I can, I can do it myself. Yeah, you can. You can certainly do it yourself. Go ahead, go for it. But the thing is, is that you have to understand what those buyers in that price segment want and what they right. need. And then how do you position that and give them the right pictures to be able to show that? And then give them, um, you know, the pluses and minuses, the, the, the positives, and then alleviate the challenges. So challenges, because so you can get more. I was talking to a person the other day and they said, well, my neighbor sold their house on their own. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. They should have. And then later on, we were talking. He said, well, you know, we gave in. He, he sold it for 100000 less because he didn't have an agent. And I'm like, okay, well, hold on a minute. And I think that's what for sale by owners. And I think people need to know that is that if someone knows that you're selling it by owner, then they know that you're not paying a commission, right? I mean, that's just what it is. And that's fine. But who wants the deal? Is it the buyer? Now the buyer says, hey, you're not paying the commission, so we can get it for less. And the seller right. says, well, no, I want you to pay the full price, so I don't get And so you, you lose that way. So Agreed. So, so that kind of segues into negotiating. And there's, I think a lot of people think it's just negotiating with the consumer. And, you know, those of you that were, you know, kind of reading these as we uh, put them on the screen, buyer's agents, um, you know, obviously they have the, the interest of their client. So if you have a seller's agent, they obviously are worried about you as a seller. If you have a buyer's agent, they worry about you as a buyer. When you're dealing with um, agents, which in, in a lot of people's opinion, that's like a wolf and a sheep. And because the, the wolf knows all the tricks and knows how to hunt. And the sheep is in a position of where they can be taken advantage of. So that's why we're regulated, of course, you know, and so there's a vow of, uh, we follow the, uh, the code of ethics um, by the Realtors Association. Um, and we, I, we're trained in negotiations. We do um, everything from the uh, inspection. Uh, that's a huge one. I deal with that now more than anything. Um, and then appraisals, as we start pushing new record levels on the market values, um, again, that, that, you know, appraisals are a big part of that. Um, but uh, hey, we did have a question here from Mike. Um, Mike asks us, hey, what's your thoughts on the CARE 11 story the last couple of nights on buyers agents being paid by the seller? Question mark. It's funny because that's one of our questions that's coming up. Okay. We'll talk about it then. Okay, sounds good. Um, you know, if your purchaser is qualified for a mortgage, and a lot of people forget that step when they're doing for sale by owner, um, they just they don't understand care. They it's almost like hey, that's their personal business. I'll tell you what, just because you were approved last year or six months ago does not mean that you're going to be approved today for the same loan. So being smart, um, being interactive and, and knowing the person that has the approval, that's another, like Chris, when you see certain loan officers approval letters, it'll actually bring you a sigh of relief um, if you have the right person on that letter, correct? Yeah, <laughs> true. It is, it is, it's uh I mean, what they what they tell you to get the deal, and then what happens afterwards is usually uh, a totally different thing. And that's why I think you gotta um, really kind of hold uh, agents to the to that uh, in integrity piece of it. And yep, 
it's because it's it's gets really ridiculous. Well, and then you know, number five here, we'll whip through these. Um, a lot of the the being a litigious society, like it says here, um, putting us in a in a position where you can get sued by not crossing the T's or dotting the I's. And a lot of times they they don't feel sorry for you just because you decide to sell it yourself. Um, you got to follow the law. So there's an educational curve there. Um, number six, you get more money when using an agent. That's pretty obvious. Most sellers, like you just gave the example of, will sell for more. Um, you know, local MLSs will give you the exposure um, and get you to a larger buying pool. And then um, here we're back to your, your last week's question. So um, number one, Chris, how do you keep potential buyers focused on good things in a house instead of the downfalls of the home? Okay, well, there, there's a perfect example of what I was just talking about before is that you've got to, you know, uh, it, you, when they're the positives, you have to embrace those and, and really push those. And then the challenges, you have to overcome them. And sometimes, and I was talking about the kitchen, is that sometimes that kitchen can overcome some of the light, the things that they might um you know, like, oh man, uh, I think we have another question here because uh, I got all these questions. It was about a three car versus a two car garage. Well, maybe that, you know, hey, it's only a two car garage, but boy, we can probably put a shed to put the lawnmower and stuff in because we really want this kitchen. And so they start justifying it. So you just don't, uh, you, you put the, you know, the spotlight on the positives and then yep. just, and, and then try to not, I, I shouldn't say, you know, don't talk about the challenges because when they go there, they'll be disappointed, but you got to kind of alleviate those challenges. And then well, you know, and I think that, that brings up a real good point though, Chris, too, though, is that, you know, we don't sell houses. I mean, we, we provide information and guide people through the buying process, right? So when people are all looking at a home and they say, well, what's that big stain up there? Or what's that, you know, chalk line in the living room? Um, <laughs> well, we might want to check the crime report on this also. I mean, I'm joking, but it's like, you do have to do your homework. And I think that there's something to be said for um, if you're a seller and you don't have, let's say that you have a bad view, like out the back or something, that's a, that's a downfall, for example. Well, maybe you put a couple of trees in proactively ahead of time, or, you know, or you put in some drapes and you actually shut them or whatever the object might be, because it's, it's a, um, I think that the cleanliness part of it too, I think one other last thing I'd say, I'm kind of jumping around, but cleanliness too is, is ridiculously important because I think a lot of people with a clean home feel feel comfortable and that they can say, you know what, we can fix this. This is this house has good bones. It's just has a bad whatever, bad kitchen, bad bathroom, whatever it is. And we, we can fix that with with time and and uh you know, and and they'll take on a project. Yeah. True. All right. The new open house rules, are they worth it to do them even? Not sure how that are they even worth it to do that? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, it's a whole different game now. Yeah, you know? I mean it is, and 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 how you have to conduct them, and I think you also have to look out for um, the political part of this thing as well. You know, and if <laughs> people are really, you know, like oh my gosh, I you know, that it's horrible that someone should have an open house because people go in there and they're going to get sick, you know, versus, you know, trying to market your house that the best you can to be able to get people in it. Right. So um, I think we did find out, you know, with open houses uh, during this, that, I mean, houses still can't sell 
It's another oh, yeah. way in which to be able to market them. Uh, it's another way in which to, for people to get out without obligation to kind of check out things. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to kind of keep my opinion uh, until this is gone for a couple of times. You know, the whole um, uh, parade, parade of homes, because we got, you know, X'd out of that thing. That's coming back. And I mean, the rules on that are unbelievable. And what you got to do to let people into a house. And I mean, we know what a parade of home is. I mean, it's a showcase, you know, for people to kind of come in and, and get different ideas. I mean, are people going to come, Andy? Are they going to come if they have to wait in line and put on gloves and masks and yeah, and all that kind of stuff? Well, let me let me put it this. Let me throw this out there. This is, you know, there's a couple agents on this call too. Um, chime in on on your opinions because we we value all of them. Um, you know, I'm I've been doing curbside appointments now since March, and I'm I I'll be honest with you. I apologize if anybody's offended by that. Um, I believe in getting the buyers out to where they want to be. Um, I believe in providing service. And I do believe that we're an essential service. So I, with using proper safety protocol and, you know, and, and also at the comfort of the person coming through and, and the person selling, um, respectfully, every showing is, is going to be different. But what we were doing was we had buyers that would shop online. They would drive by the house to take a look at it visually, right? At that point in time, Chris, and they're not a look-see-loo, you know, they're not, they're not just, you know, out entertaining between appointments or, you know, they're on their way to a wedding and they thought they'd stop in and just say hi because they got to the church an hour early. You know I mean? It's like, I used to hear all kinds of lines like that back in the day. Churches, churches are closed. So churches just are closed. closed, right. So they're not between brunch and church. So, you know, but you're right. I mean, that, but that we hear that all the time. And so those people were truly out entertaining themselves. I'm telling you right now as a real estate agent, if you're not taking advantage of the, like the curbside uh, appointment, meaning that they have to call. And so what we did is we set up a, a sign on every property and said, there's an agent on duty, but you have to call in and set an appointment. So we we're following all the rules. We um, actually, at that point in time, allowed us to register the client as well. So we know who was coming through the house. Um, we'd ask them a couple safety health questions. You know, have you been around anybody that's sick? Do you feel well? Do you whatever? Um, and then they would come through and then we'd say, hey, um, the agent can either show you the property or we can just let you in and, and do a no touch uh, showing yourself. And we'll have all the doors and drawers open. And then my agents would clean the, the, all the surfaces they could have touched. Um, after they would leave. And so I've been doing this since March and we've had great success with them because the people that really need to buy a house are already out there. They need they need to be out there. So um, what I was going to say is this Parade of Homes started two weeks ago. Again, they reactivated the online open houses and it, it's been a bust. They, they're not putting any money behind it. Um, they're really not promoting it very hard. They're calling it a virtual open, which nobody understands what that means. And so I think it's it's a waste of energy. Starting next weekend, there's four weekends uh, in a row that they're going to be doing the Parade of Homes locally in the Twin Cities market, um, where they're going to be doing Saturdays and Sundays, I think noon to five, with all of these new rules. And time will tell if 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 people follow the rules. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's nice that they're uh, getting that uh, out there, but uh, I mean, it's yeah. a, obviously it's a it's a different time of year, right. and uh, you know, it it'll be interesting. Well, you know, part of it is, too, Chris, I mean, a lot of people don't realize how much money those builders pay to be in the parade. Oh, I mean, totally. they're paying almost four grand a house to have them advertise in the spring preview. And the, the timing of the spring preview is very uh, conducive with the trying to get the kids in by the fall for school. And so it, that's why they keep moving it earlier, because it's taking longer to build houses. 
And like now in the middle of summer, which is generally the slower for after Memorial Day, I mean, it slows down after 4th of July, it's usually dead. Um, the rest of the summer, you might as well go fishing or golfing. And, um, but, but right now we're in new water, you know, we're actually trending um, a little differently now. And, and maybe that spring buyer has postponed gratification and they're waiting and they're going to come out here as soon as it's safe. I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're, I think we're going to find out, but uh, that, was a, that was like a really long answer to our, to one question. <laughs> I know, but I, I think it's part of the other, uh, yeah. what part of the other question. So we won't have to answer that as much, but what are okay. your thoughts on businesses like Airbnbs? Are they worth it? Will big happen or will big changes happen because of uh, coronavirus, coronavirus? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's already happening. I, I think what I've um, wondered about is that if those people, I mean, obviously they're probably not getting many people renting. Uh, they think it's coming back, but when they don't think it's coming back, that those things are going to be going on the market. Yeah. Well, I think that there's going to be more Airbn. Um, no additional B. They're they're probably going to cut the breakfast part of it off, though. You know what I mean? Because they the uh, the bed and breakfast. You know what a what a wonderful concept having somebody come stay in your home. Well, th- that is kind of against the rule of of what we're trying to do with sheltering in place. And I mean, if it if it's like um, the vacation rental, um, the VBA or VRBO, I think yeah, that's yeah. different. Where then somebody's there with their family, it's safe. Then when they're done, they can clean it. And I. I think with the VRBO, I think there's huge value in that right now, especially with in cabin country where, um, you know, they, the, the mom and pop resorts have shut down and, and they're not open anymore. I mean, other than the big, big resort areas like up in Brainerd, where they have a bunch of resorts still, a lot of these small towns are down to one or two resorts in the whole town and people still want to go and support that local economy. So I think the actually to bring, you know, economies back to those smaller towns I think those small towns, if they're smart, they're going to be fighting to get VRBOs in their own town because all it does is bring vacationers. Vacationers like to buy T-shirts. They like to go out to eat. They like to spend their money. They like to rent boats. They like to buy bait. They like that. You know what I mean? And that's, I'm telling you, it's the truth. So I think the other thing too is uh, with all of this, you know, supporting local and doing that stuff, uh, that's that's going to wear off pretty darn soon here uh, with people because then it becomes, hey, we're just trying to help out and make sure they stay. But all of a sudden now, hey, these guys aren't going to open for three more months. You know what? I mean, they're probably not going to make it anyways. Let's not, maybe we should save our money, you know, kind of thing. So I think you got to kind of watch out for that. So hopefully it changes. All right. Um, here's, here's Mike's question that he asked earlier online. He said, Carol Evan did a special on how realtors are paid. Can you elaborate on this? And I did not actually see the um, the news. I, I did not oh, see the story. So basically what they're doing, Andy, I did see it. And uh, they actually ran it two, uh, two nights. And they, they said that uh, the sellers are paying the buyer's real estate commission. They shouldn't do that. They had a person on there that claimed he saved 40000 by selling. I would like to, I would love to uh, see that whole situation and see if that's the, the case. But they're just, they were basically saying that, hey, if you go get a commission and let's just say it's 6%, you pay out a buyer's agent, 2.7, they're saying that the sellers are paying too much money to list their house. And uh, they kind of got a, a, a bunch of questions, um, you know, good and bad. And um, some people say agents uh, are the most overpaid people in the world, you know, that they don't do anything. And then others say that, you know what, it's worth every penny of it. Uh, 
to be able to navigate through this. So um, I think, you know, but they were basically stating, and there was a couple of attorneys were stating that they felt that if the buyers paid their own um, buyer commission, nothing would change. And then they would be able to negotiate that commission with each individual agent that they're doing, even though people still, people try that all the time. You know, they're always trying to, uh, in, which, in which to be able to do that. So I so think- So let me ask uh, you this. So, uh, yeah, there was-, I was say, I, Let me say, let me finish. Yeah. I was going to say that you could go to every industry and say the same thing. You know what? I would love to go um, get groceries cheaper if they didn't have any people to check out the people. And I would just do it myself and I'll get my groceries cheaper. I mean, you can, you can cut out everyone uh, to be able to do it. So go ahead. No, I, I think that there's. Um, I, I actually think that it goes to show how out of touch some of the the um, news media sources are too. And I, I think that the um, the reality is, is this is the biggest buying decision of somebody's life. Just like a retirement account or something else, you probably could figure out a way to do all that yourself. But why would you not take the guidance of a professional that has experience that can make sure that you're doing the right thing, guide you through making the right decision, looking out for you in your best interests, providing you with a list of experts. They'll help guide you through that purchase, and they're doing it for only 3%. That, that's unbelievable to me. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that most sellers want you to be represented because they don't want to get sued. Because when you have agency representation only on one side of the transaction, and in the future, they're going to say, ooh, that, uh, that other agent bamboozled me. And uh, I didn't know that. And I didn't know this. And then they come after that agency. And what ends up happening is I think they're opening themselves up to another weird class action lawsuit. And guess who can benefit from that? Probably the same attorneys that are suing the buyers agencies right now, you know, with the class action uh, suit. So in my opinion, what would happen is if buyers, um, I think where the the rub that I have with it was um, last year, I heard the National Association of Realtors was fighting this, this lawsuit about when people come in and say, oh, you don't pay me anything to be a buyer's agent. That's where I think the rub was, is that people are saying, but you do because you're paying more for the house in theory. And, and the way I look at it is, is just like, somebody paid to have their house remodeled before they sold, they, they're, they're choosing to have a cooperative commission put into their expenses on their side of the transaction to make the sale happen faster. And, and so in my opinion, um, that's a selling expense exclusively. It has nothing to do with the buyer. Um, and the buyer, you know, I, I mean, unless you're, you want to go back to the old days of commercial real estate, and then you hire a commercial real estate agent, and they're going to charge you 3% and you build it on the top of the purchase price. So the price goes up anyway. So What's the difference? I, I don't see what the point of the whole argument is, other than if there was misrepresentation of the truth, which then, yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be had. But Well, they stated on there, they said that 51% of the buyers that were purchasing, I think this one it was, 51% didn't know how their agent was getting paid. How, how's that even reality? Because every industry, there's bad people in it too. I mean, that's that's on the realtors. You know, yeah, you have to let people understand how you get paid. Well, the the num that you have to sign a compensation disclosure. My my brokerage won't even pay us unless that buyer knows exactly how much money comes to me as an agent, and I have to get the buyer to sign it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't. I, so yeah, no, see, no. I think they're just trying to stir the pot and make some news because I think this is dumb. I don't even understand. I mean, I get it. If you want to buy on your own, buyer beware. Go buy on your own. I think the fallacy that you can buy a house and reduce the commission, but you can't because the, the the commission agreement's made at the listing agent side. And so that listing agent gets paid 6% regardless if you're there or not. 
unless they have what they call a variable rate commission. Variable rate commissions allow that selling agent to reduce their commission if somebody comes to them directly. But most people don't do variable rates. They do fixed rates. And they just say, yep, I'm selling your house for 7% or 6%. And, and then no matter how the transaction shakes out, it's of the sale price. And it's, it's, a, it's a contract that the seller signed. Yeah. The thing is, is on this, you could spin it a thousand different ways. And, uh, you know, so it's just, uh, you know, you got to feel if you're, if you're a buyer and or a seller, you don't think it's worth it, then you should try it on your own. Sure. See what happens, you know, I mean, everyone has a choice. And I, I mean, I do that every time when I, people ask me, so why should I sell it on my own? Go ahead, try it, see what you can do. I mean, if it works, it works, but I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, I always talk about, uh, I got to show my face again here. Hold on. Yeah, but I, I talk about you know the transactions like this, okay? And yeah. right here is selling your little house. There's a lot of stuff that kind of comes into it and background and how to position and get it right so your house sells. There's your house selling, and now it's taking care of you and making sure everything you did doesn't come back and hit you. So is, you're paying more than just someone going driving and showing you one house and making an offer. Um, that's more. I mean, I've, I've heard that where people say, well, geez, all my agent did was we, we went and saw one house and I had to pay 5,000 more than what it was. Well, you know what? You were able to get that house too, because probably more than likely that agent had some knowledge in how to be able to talk to that other agent and or present the best scenario for you. You know, I was just talking with someone that was uh, in an offer with eight different people eight different people and they had first time home buyer money attached to it and they won with an FHA offer. Okay. So how, how has that happened? That usually doesn't happen. You, there's gotta be a lot more that kind of went into that to be able to uh, make that happen. And that's, that's who you chose to represent you. And that's how you got it. And, and just for the record, you look really awake right now with your white eyes. Not funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I couldn't leave you alone there. It was, you're, yeah. So very, short, very, very, very rarely have I ever um, watched a for sale by owner with no representation and no buyer's agent go by where I didn't say there was money left on the table or there was, wow, that person got ripped off. And regardless of how the industry's paid, I don't, I, let me put it this way. You sell a house and, and in that one moment, like you're saying, Chris, you go, wow, I just sold a $300,000 house and I paid my agent, you know, 3% to sell it. You do the math on it. You're like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. I, I get it. But the, the idea there is also is that, you know, you're saying, okay, for nine grand for what, what did, what did you pay me? Or what did you do for that? Well, you know, there, there's a lot of things that get, get done in that transaction for that. And then if they get you 15,000 more because they spent money on marketing, what's that worth? So should there be regulations then on how much profit a seller can make? because they're ripping off the consumer by charging them too much. This is America, bro. I mean, and, and you and I both agree on this. Capitalism is, is where it's at. That's how most people make their money. And you buy something right, you sell it at a better price, you make a profit. And that's not a swear word in America. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very excited for most of my clients when they make equity. So you know. I think I think people too have to understand there's a risk versus reward in being sure. a commission sales. I mean, uh, if you told uh, most of the people in this world that they'd have to go to work and then if they did a good job, then they would get paid. You know, uh, a lot of people wouldn't uh, get any money. And so right. that's the only way we get paid. And you know what? If there's more risk, then there's more reward. Right. But, and then if, but if you take it and kind of put it out over the time, 
you know, I mean, we could we could justify it and do it a bunch of different ways. Ultimately, what it is is that people got to decide whether or not it's worth it to them. And if it is, they'll use a realtor. If they don't, then they shouldn't. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, Bill uh, Schlepper here says, uh, "Why do you see a photo negative of a raccoon each time Rooney shows his face today?" <laughs> Uh, Chris forgot his sunscreen, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you should uh, friend him on Facebook. He's he's pretty clever. He comes he's up with cool, yeah. except when he makes fun of me. So except yeah, right, right. Yeah. Oh, good. All right, next question. Minimalism movement is rising. Do you see a future in people downsizing? Question mark. Um, how about the tiny house movement? Question mark. <laughs> what do you think, Bud? Oh man, I'm just that's not me. Uh, Mike, Mike, I'd love to see you and Christine in a 900 square foot trailer. Yeah, I know. I, uh, my, uh, my kid is this, um, he really is. He's, uh, he wasn't, but he is. And it's just kind of like, Hey, you don't need all that stuff. You don't need things, you know? Um, and I know a lot of other people are in it as well. And I just think, you know, some of this TV house stuff, I mean, talk about a per square foot price. I mean, It, I don't, it's, it's about small. It's not about saving money uh, in, in some cases, because I mean, sometimes you get what, 600 square feet. I mean, you're paying a thousand bucks a square foot, you know? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think, I think minimalism is, is, is a lifestyle more than it is, you know, uh, I mean, obviously anything else. Right. So if you subscribe to that and you, you know, you eat that way, you buy your clothes that way, you, it, it'd be easy to, to, you know, include that in housing. And I think that there's, um, there's, there's, um, homeless situations in a lot of cities, like Salt Lake city has a, a pretty sizable homeless problem. And they started working on, and, and Seattle did this too, where they started making like these mini, basically sheds that were individual homes for the homeless. And they were showing how at first it worked really well. And then there became crime issues. And then there became a huge vacancy issue because people didn't want to live in these areas. And it's, I think it's all perception. You know what I mean? It's like, even, um, do people feel safe? Do people feel, um, you know, what is, what is shelter to you? Right. And what is your home? Some people it's a, it's a resemble, uh, resemblance of their, 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 uh, success. So they, they like to have the big house to have people, you know, know they're successful. Some people um, don't care about that stuff and they live in the same house for 50 years and they retire and they, they have a bunch of money in the bank. So it's all so individualized. I think that there's, I don't see a movement per se. I actually see more people um, right now struggling to downsize. It's probably the hardest thing you can do because in life we accumulate, we grow, we try to add, we try to, you know, um, grow our wealth, grow our whatever. And so then also you switch gears and say, oh, I'm gonna, now I'm going to do everything the opposite. I'm going to downsize and get rid of everything. And yet you feel kind of exposed. And I think a lot of people really struggle with that. Yeah. Do you, do you see when people are struggling to downsize? It's more about storage. Yep. I mean, and and we we've talked about a lot. We call it right sizing instead, yes. you know, what kind of fits for you. And I mean, sometimes you're, you know, your four kids are gone and you don't need those extra bedrooms, but maybe you want to add some different things that you didn't have before. And maybe it's right. a floor office, maybe it's that well, yeah. I mean, you maybe you go from your six thousand square foot, you know, mansion down to a four thousand square foot, or you know, you don't go right down to the thousand square foot flat downtown because You'll be miserable. I, I guarantee you'll be miserable. Yeah, I've just had a lot of people. Um, it's more about the storage. So it's like, hey, we want to downsize, but we don't want to get rid of our stuff. 
And, uh, you know, and that's where, and that's where it becomes a problem. And some people, you know, like the, the one level living type things, you know, you might want to look at that and say, you know what, as as part of this, uh, I can also buy a storage unit and and be able to keep my stuff. So. Yep. All right. Two car versus three car. Um, You have a, uh, it says here, buyer loves a house, but they have three cars and they only have a two car garage. What should they do, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you obviously it's it's justifying it's justifying uh, what's important to you, um, but from an agent standpoint, I mean, can are you is the lot big enough to be able to add on to that garage, or could you add another garage uh, with that? Could you do a kind of a carport? I mean, do you just want it covered? Is it stuff that you need to have? Um, maybe that car can sit outside. You know, it's the kid's car. It's that that third car, and you need storage, so maybe you could add a shed. Sure. Yeah, my uh, Lisa just yelled across the office, don't show the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know what, she might have a point. She's got a point there. Because if they really want a three-car garage and you give them this, uh, uh, hey, here, look at this house. It's great, but it's only got a two-car garage. Now they're going to only be thinking about that house when they eliminate it because it only had a two-car garage, yep. you know. So it's now you've just put yourself in a bad position that they're not going to be satisfied. We want one like that one that had the two car. Right. So, I know I knew that's why the Brainsley operation was over there. Yeah, well, she she's a streamliner. She just get get her done. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. Well, uh I guess we're uh kind of coming to the end here, my friend. Um <laughs> we we appreciate you uh sheltering us from your your new look. It, You're welcome. Uh, and actually you know what i tell you what but it, it happens to all of us it's minnesota right we're we all try to do the best we can but man it's tempting to not get out or attempting to to uh get out there in that sun early well, actually i went out there and i just went out there by myself and sat around and just kind of drove and i i just didn't i forgot one thing I mean, believe me i had everything i had all my stuff set up i had my work i was doing everything and that one thing i forgot was that sunscreen thing yeah. Yeah. You're, so. That's why I bring my wife along. She reminds me. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Have a great day. Well, great show. We'll, uh, we'll see those of you next week. Share the, the, uh, the podcast if you can here or the, the show. We'd appreciate it. Like the page. Um, bring us some more questions. I know every week everybody's been good with messaging us. Um, and then we'll, um, we'll uh, try to get those answered next week. Um, thanks again, everybody. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.